you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to 1 Timothy. The end of our focus is going to be in chapter 4, but at the end of chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes this. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery of godliness is great. He appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. Again, Paul is writing instructions, but the focus is Jesus. Always, if we understand God's word rightly, the focus is Jesus. Now in 1 Timothy chapter 4, this is the reading of God's word. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been sealed as with a, seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this, we labor and strive. That we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you 
through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Again, I remind you, Paul is writing to Timothy, whom he regards as like a son, his son in the faith. And Timothy has been left with a daunting assignment. He's to pastor a group of folks who are coming, many of them out of paganism, living in a place where there are all kinds of false doctrines that are not only out there in the culture, but infiltrating the church. There are people who are claiming to be followers of Jesus, but what they say does not line up with the truth of the gospel. And so Paul has to write to Timothy to not only encourage him, but to give him some direction and focus. And so he says, again, just so that Timothy realizes this is not a a surprising development. Oh my goodness, there are false teachers in the church. The Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Who is the father of lies, according to Jesus? Satan is the father of lies. He is a liar and the father of lies. That's why it's imperative that you and I not participate in lying. It's absolutely the devil's work. These false doctrines that are coming into the church are not just because people are wicked. People are wicked. But Satan is the father of lies. And so these false doctrines are referred to as the result of people following deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And what does that look like? Oh, probably telling us it's okay to engage in sexual immorality. Well, that's addressed elsewhere. That, too, is a doctrine taught by demons. But these folks that he's addressing in chapter 4 are at the opposite extreme. They are promoting asceticism, the idea that the way to godliness is to just deny yourself any physical pleasure. So you probably shouldn't eat meat, but if you do eat meat, no bacon. Okay? So I've never heard that in church. Well, you haven't heard it in this one. But there are people who say that. Okay? Well, is, is, does that mean they're demon-possessed? No. But if you think that the way to become godly is to recognize that your body is bad and you're not supposed to have physical pleasure, you are listening to a deceiving spirit. You have five senses 
God invented them. He wants us to enjoy the beauty of the creation that he has made. All these things are good and to be received with thanksgiving because it's consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Now, so does that just mean I'm the kind of Christian who just does whatever feels good, you know? No. It means that we receive the good things God has given us with prayer and consecrating it to the Lord and engaging in this as an act of worship. Paul tells the Corinthians, whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. We don't just pray before the meal because, you know, it's kind of a tradition, you know, we always pray before the meal. We pray before the meal because this is a wonderful gift from God. God gave us a tongue that has different kinds of taste buds so that we taste sweet, sour, all these salty, all these different things because God wanted us to enjoy it. God could have made the whole world monochrome, okay? God didn't want it to be that way. God has put all kinds of variations and beauty in creation. Music. Imagine if all anybody had was one note. Imagine if all the birds just went horrible. They couldn't find each other. God designed us in such a way that we could enjoy the beauty of his creation. And the idea that we're not supposed to is a lie from the devil who has never created anything. All he can do is steal, kill, and destroy. So, these folks have their consciences seared, they are hypocritical liars, and they forbid people to marry. Why would you forbid people to marry? Well, so that they can be truly spiritual. Who do you think invented marriage? Let's say it together, folks. Sex is designed by God to be an expression of love between a man and a woman who are married to each other. God invented sex. God invented marriage. God said it is not good for the man to be alone. It was his idea to bring us together and have us reproduce in families, not apart from families, not apart from marriage. But God, who has given us this beautiful creation, is not worshipped by saying that pleasure is wrong, physical sensation is bad. The goal is just to empty yourself until you feel nothing and desire nothing. That's not of God. That's a path to being controlled by demons. So, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. 
Well, in the Old Testament, didn't God tell people to abstain from certain foods? Yes, he did. And in the New Testament, Jesus declared all foods clean. Just so you know. Well, still, some foods are healthier than others, aren't they? Yes. And eat accordingly. But if you think you can't have that food because that would make you less godly, you have completely misunderstood what the battle is about. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith, he's describing Timothy, and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. What should your approach to false teaching be? Have nothing to do with it. The particular thing that Paul is guarding against here is Gnosticism. But do you need to know what Gnosticism is and study it extensively? No, you've just learned all you need to know about Gnosticism. Go back to the truth. Focus on the truth. Have nothing to do with that other stuff. Don't incorporate pagan ideas into your brain. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Now, I want us to think about that phrase for a moment. Train yourself to be godly. That tells you it doesn't come naturally. Godliness is not just sort of, okay, you know, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm good. I'm all good. Everything's good. No, there's some things we need to work on. All of us need to work on some things. Train yourself. That's a process. It's not a moment. If you want to become a runner, you don't just go out and run. You train for it. You build up stamina. You improve your stride. You get some coaching. And if you want to train yourself for godliness, find somebody who's ahead of you in godliness. And ask them to coach you, to counsel you, to encourage you, to hold you accountable. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value in all things. I think it's great when people decide to get in better shape physically. I really do. But you know what's going to happen to that body no matter how good you get in shape, how well you get in shape? You know what's going to happen to your body? It's going to eventually break down. Okay? I don't know. I've known some people who even late in life were really uh, remarkable physical specimens. Yeah, they are remarkable for their age. Because even if you are able to get out there and run in your 90s, you will not be doing it 50 years later. You understand? It's just the way it is. Well, so are you saying we shouldn't bother with physical training? No, physical training can be a good thing. But it only yields temporary results. Godliness yields good results for eternity. Not that we earn our salvation, but we do receive rewards in glory according to how we have obeyed and served the Lord here. So, godliness holds promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive. Does that sound like training to you? Labor and strive. Our righteousness is imputed to us. It is a gift. It is something completely unearned, God's righteousness credited to our account 
in Christ Jesus. But God wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who works within us. So I want to manifest the character of God, and that's going to require me to die to self daily. So this is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labor and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of those who believe. Is he saying, when he says the Savior of all men, that everybody's going to be saved? No. He's saying there is no other way to be saved. Understand? He is the Savior of all men. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, just to clarify, the Holy Spirit has him add the statement, and especially of those who believe. In other words, those of us who trust in Jesus are saved. But nobody's going to be saved some other way. Now, command and teach these things. He's told to command them. Does it ever bug you when the person who's preaching, a lot of the time that's me, commands you? Says, this is what you must do. Timothy is told, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Well, I <laughs> went to Atlanta as senior pastor at Mount Vernon. People would meet me and they'd say, so what do you do here? And I'd say, I'm the pastor. And they'd say, you the youth pastor? And I'd say, no, I'm the senior pastor. And they'd say, you don't look old enough to be the senior pastor. And I'd say, I'm not old enough to be the senior pastor, but I'm the senior pastor. Okay? I had a bunch of people on my staff who were older than I was. But you know what? It's not about age. It's about call. God's the one who puts people in different positions. And the fact of the matter is, Timothy was awfully young for this huge responsibility. But God was the one who put him there. He said, Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. You're going to be in any kind of Christian leadership, whether you are male or female, that is a good list. Set an example in speech, guard what you say, in life, putting it into practice, in love, in faith, and in purity. And until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to preaching and teaching. If you want to help people, those of you in ministry someday, if you want to help people, bring them to the Word. Read it, preach it, teach it. Okay? Because it is God's Word that makes the difference. When people tell me, oh, wow, I never, I never could have gotten that out of that passage, I'm disappointed. When people tell me, you know, you're right, that's exactly what it says, and I feel like, praise God. Why? Because what they're learning is that I'm not the guy with the answers, God's the one with his answers, and they're right here in his Word. If you want to know the will of God, go to his Word, see what he says. The Scriptures are sufficient. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. And by the way, the Scripture that Timothy was to read and preach and teach 
was the Old Testament. We've got goofballs, and that's the kindest word I can come up with, who are saying we don't need the Old Testament. They, they find the Old Testament embarrassing. It's the Scriptures. It's God's Word. It is God-breathed. They don't know the author. That's the problem. Timothy was told to devote himself to the public reading of Scripture, which at this time was almost exclusively the Old Testament, to preaching and to teaching, because Jesus is all through the Old Testament. It's all about him. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Timothy, you're not there on your own. You were commissioned. And the body of elders laid hands on you in solidarity and in prayer and then sent you forth with a prophetic word. Don't neglect your gift. Stir up the gift that's in you. Be diligent in these matters. God is calling us to be diligent in the responsibilities that we have. So be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them. How much time are you willing to devote to the things that God has called you to do? Give yourself wholly to your responsibilities. Okay? So that everyone may see your progress. Note the word progress. Don't pretend that you've already arrived. Even the Apostle Paul says, I'm not saying that I've already achieved the final goal. I'm saying I press on. I'm running the race. I'm looking to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. You should be making progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Again, this word is to a preacher, it's to a pastor, but it applies to all of us. Watch, pay attention to your life and doctrine, not just to one or the other. You and I need to know what we believe, and we need to put it into practice. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. That means keep on doing it. Keep on going. Keep on keeping on. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We're not saved by our doctrine in the sense that if you just believe the right things, you go to heaven. No, but if we abandon the faith, we don't belong to the Lord. And so if we continue, Paul declares the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, this is the gospel which we preach to you in which you have believed and by which you were saved if you continue in it. If you hear it, think, well, that sounds right. I believe that. And then somebody comes along and runs something else by, and you're like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Well, so what do I need to do in order to earn my salvation? No. But if you persevere in trusting in him, 
you are saved. And if you are faithful in proclaiming that truth to others, and they embrace that as well, they are saved. Say, well, I'm, I don't think this applies to me because I'm not a pastor. Okay, are you a follower of Jesus? Because if you are, there are other people who are going to follow you. Be careful. Watch your doctrine and your life. Abiding in Christ is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. You can make a donation online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.